I feel like we met 30 years ago or something because it was politically incorrect. Correct. Do you recognize the sign? Isn't that yeah. just nostalgia for yeah, you to see is. that fucking sign there? Yeah. But like, I love this. I, yeah, I love this too. Yeah. But I mean, that had to be close to 30 years ago because that show went on in 1993. Yeah. And you were like, where were you? Not 93. You were like just, you were just becoming very... I, of nine, the moment. You were in the culture a lot. was an interesting year because I was on one hour on the Oprah Winfrey show. Oprah. Is that, that what was, started the whole? No, it didn't. Actually, I had she, myself. But that one particular one hour with Oprah, I sold uh, 800,000 books in 24 hours. Wow. And I was on the New York Times uh, Number one for like 84 weeks. So let so. me ask you a, a, <laughs> a, a This is a perfect question for you. Uh, I even said to Oprah, marry me and you could be Oprah Chopra. Well, <laughs> you said that to her? That's yes. hysterical. Oprah Chopra, yeah. That worked better than the uh, Oprah Uma joke Lennerman did at the Oscars. But so like 30 years. It's hard to believe, but it did happen. It is, and I'm now 76. Can you believe it? I can't. I mean, you look great. Uh, well, I feel good. But, but as Fran Lieberwitz pointed out, when she was sitting there, uh, like people only say, <laughs> you look great when you're older, and it has to be said. Right. It's never, well, it's assumed <laughs> when true. you're 30. It's but true. okay, so like 1993, you and I, on Incorrect, of course, I can't remember any of this because, you know, all these club cigarettes, but I, so I don't remember what the, the conversation was like. You might remember it better, but like the version of ourselves that was there in 1993, like, what would you say about that whole concept of like evolution? I mean, this is, you're the perfect person to ask. It's like, like, are you, are you just a slightly different version of your 1993 self? Are you a completely, did you shed many snakes, uh, skins, <laughs> not that you're a snake. Uh, like, uh, tell me about what your thoughts on where we are as the river passes under our feet. It's a very interesting question because, you know, now at the age of 76, as I confront the final chapters, even though I'm I'm healthy, but you know the last curtain will soon well, draw be before fucking my morbid, eyes. Dude. <laughs> no, I'm so, kidding. No, I, I, I mean you don't I, look I, like you're in the final chapter. Well, in my tradition, Bill, first twenty five years of life is education. Second twenty five years is fame, fortune, and oh. family, which I did. Third 25 years is giving back, and the fourth is actually preparing for death oh. and finding yourself questioning and answering your question about identity. I've come to the conclusion there's no such thing. I mean, you say, what is your identity? Fertilized egg, zygote, embryo, baby, toddler, teenager, young adult, mature adult, guy with Alzheimer's. <laughs> Which one well, is you? I mean, you see fix, fixated you? on a bad ending. I mean, huh? first, you've seen fixated on a bad ending. No, end. no, no, I'm not. Because okay. you know, my tradition, actually, you prepare for a happy ending. You A happy have, ending. That would be a good ending. And that happy ending is you have <laughs> a party. That's how I want to die. You a massage a, parlor. You have a party. Yeah. You celebrate. You say goodbye. And, but you're not there for the party. And then you close your... No, no. You know when you're going to die. Oh, you and do? You but you don't. I do. You do? Well, of course. I what? plan to die in meditation. When you're, what, do you know how old you're going to be when you're going to yeah, die? Yeah, but I'm not telling. You know? Yeah. How do you think you know? Because I'm self-aware. Because you're self-aware. You know, I could take offense at this kind of stuff. I don't because I like you. But, I look but forward like to this chapter. It's I know, part of no, my no, tradition no, no, for thousands like, of I, years. No, the part I could take offense about is the part about, I know things you don't. No. I have powers of knowing no, things. No, 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 and no, you no, don't. I, no. I'm sorry, Deepak. I love you. But like you don't know things I could not possibly know. I know the statistical likelihood of that's events. That's different than knowing. I well, know that too. I can read that. That's I can how Google. we base everything. Vision, mathematics. But, but you're Even saying you weather. know what year you're going to die, and you fucking don't. You could I, die I leaving this room. Okay. Or you could well, die listen. in 
30 years. I'm not here to argue with you. <laughs> I'm just here to say okay. that I'm in my final chapter and I'm looking all, forward you to this phase of my life. Okay, look, I know you're probably not like caring about this, but um, maybe you would more if you were single. It, it matters more perhaps then, but there's nothing about you I just saw you. I haven't seen you in all these years. I saw you standing over there. I, your back was to me when I first walked in. And I was like, where's Deepak? Because it, I didn't think that was you. Because you just don't look old. You don't move old. You know, you don't have an old energy about you. So until you do, let's not shovel dirt on the grave. I mean, look, death is always looming. I, I agree. I'm 67. That's not young. Um, there's been a lot of death around me lately. Uh, people I know who've died. So it's it's been on my mind. And, and look, my four quarters of life may be different than yours. Uh, giving back, I think, is great. The fourth one, I'm more into like <clears throat> 75. You know, I think that's when I'm going to start with the Viagra. <laughs> okay. well, so, you know, like I'm really trying to available. Put, I, I, I know, but, <clears throat> um, but when I look at death and I do – you know, uh, yes, you're right. When you're our age, you are aware of a monster chasing you. Maybe you don't look at it as a monster. I do because I don't want to die because I'm having a good time. But it all has to do with identity. Meaning? What dies? What dies? You mean what dies when you when your body dies? So, right. right. Because you believe that the, the spirit is living on. Well, I believe that there's a fundamental reality that transcends what we call the body and the mind and the experience of this. And this is obviously a lucid dream. It's not even real. If I ask you what happened to your childhood, you'd say it's a dream. But what if I ask you what happened to this morning, it's a dream. By the time you hear these words, they don't exist. So the whole thing is a dream. I, uh, I'm, I, I mean, this, I mean so, you know, Wittgenstein, I mean, yeah. the German philosopher, he said, "Our life is a dream. Once in a while, we wake up enough to know that we are dreaming." So this fourth chapter is about well, waking up from the dream. I would say two things there. One, and I mean this in a in a very complimentary way, but you I don't, don't know. I don't compliment. I, I don't know what the hell you're talking about because I don't know this you, thing about yeah, this might. Clarify things for you, but I hope if so. you took something like, say, you don't do any drugs. psilocybin. Psilocybin. Yeah. Are you a, are you a fan? I'm the biggest promoter of psychedelics in the world today. Promoter? I mean, you're holding? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, the scientific research and the public awareness of the value of psychedelics. Let's open a store together. Let's sell you can some open shit. this store and I'll support the research. Because you're also a capitalist. Let's not lie. I mean, you, how many books have you written? 90 something. 90 something? Yeah. 90? Yeah. Holy shit from Shinola. <laughs> that's a lot of books. That's like, since since what year? When was What year was the first? Because it's got to be like two a year. 1980 was my first book. Wow. This is like Elvis used to put out albums like this, like. Just a lot of material. But okay. let's talk about you're getting high. Would you like some? No, not right oh. now. I'm already stoned. <laughs> I'm stoned with life. Because it's just a dream. It's just a dream. <laughs> life is just that, a dream. So, you know, that do, thing do, could do. Make yeah, you, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, when I was 17, just... It was a very so good know, year? It was the most amazing year. Because I had just, in India, you enter medical school after two years of pre-med. Oh. Not four years. So I was only 17. I joined this very prestigious school funded by capitalists, Rockefeller and American institutions. Doesn't make them bad And people. we had Harvard professors. Oh. And so my first year of medical school, I was asked to participate in an experiment with controls. So students from Harvard, students from my class, and we all took LSD twice. So the, my first experience at the age of 17 was anxiety because the same question came up. <laughs> what is life all about? Is it a dream? Right. Am I in a lucid dream in a vivid now? 
and I was anxious. But then I tried it again. And this time, and this really altered my entire life. This time what happened is they had subjects under experiment taking LSD, but doing different things. So, you know, listening to music, dancing, smoking, maybe other stuff. <laughs> I was assigned to look at a poster of Mother Teresa. And this is, remember, the year is 1971. Okay. And I'm looking at this poster. Who worked in India, hmm? right? Mother Teresa was in India. Yeah, yeah, she was in India. I mean, she wasn't Indian, but that's where she, her yeah, that ministry. Was, yeah. yeah, and the rumor, the gossip, was that she kissed children who had leprosy and licked their wounds and they would be healed. Now, I didn't believe any of that, but looking at the poster and under the influence of LSD, I had the most intense experience of compassion. And it changed my entire trajectory of life. I wanted to be a healer and a compassionate doctor. Just from hearing this story. Hmm? Just from hearing about Just her doing Just from watching the poster and being under the influence of LSD. Right. But also knowing that she had licked these people's feet. Uh, of right. course. Okay. So wounds. Now... We say, no, 71, we are in 2023. So this is over, you know, over right. 50 years, over half a century. Now we know epigenetically, epigenetically, that emotions, and this has been my life's work, that emotions influence everything in their body. We pretend to be rational creatures. We are bristling with emotion. We are full of rage, anger, resentment, guilt, depression. Yeah. Yeah. And but we also have access to yeah. the opposite. And well, there's biological function. So mother, uh, Your biology changes. Your brain changes every time did, you experience. Did you ever meet Mother Teresa? Once. You did. You actually yes. met her after this. After this. And what did you say to her? Did you say, I'm a huge fan. Um, your feet licking changed my life. Do you know? <laughs> Not, wound licking. Wound licking. Right. Anyone can lick feet. The Pope yeah. does that. Okay, wound like yeah, that is some serious uh, compassion. But did you know this about Mother Teresa? First of all, when she died, she only she left had two possessions. She had a blanket and a bucket. And Biden tried to tax the bucket. No, I, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, California would, but not. The other thing is, you know that she had a crisis of faith. Of course, every, if you don't have a crisis, you're not human. Okay, but do you remember what year that was? Just before she died. When did it work? A little bit before th she died. I thought it was something like 79, but I could be wrong. No, I think later it was than later. that. Listen, Jesus had a crisis of faith. Who? The guy who started <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing. What do you mean, Star? He started a joke. No, actually, there, the are whole three, world there are three pivotal moments in his life, which I find very interesting. The first is he falters when he's carrying the cross. And Joseph of Arimathea. Well, he tripped. He trips He's or whatever. A cross. Joseph of Arimathea tries to help him and he says, No, I must bear my own cross. Okay, number one. Number Where two. Where we get the phrase? I... He has this crisis of faith when he says, Why did you desert me? Okay, that's And only... number three, well, forgive them for they know not what, what they, they do. do. Sure. Those three are very pivotal moments in a person's existential dark night of the soul. That's interesting. Uh, first of all, the, what you, the second one you cite is only in one of the Gospels. It doesn't matter. Okay. We don't even well, the know whole who thing, wrote the Gospels. The whole thing doesn't matter because it's all a fable. But Everything just, is a fable. Oh, Jesus. Your, your job is Christ. actually... I'm, I'm having a crisis of faith right now. No, but, oh, Mother Teresa. So I, I thought it was so interesting. Whatever year it was, Mother Teresa, who by that time was super famous as like the ultimate saint on earth. And she has this crisis of faith. Oh, oh no, no, I know what it was. After she died, she left, <laughs> she left the church a very specific request. Do not print my letters. 
the second she died, they printed her letters. And that's what we found. That's what it was. We found out that when she did die, she had a crisis of faith. There was a year. She was just like drunk dialing old boyfriends. Uh, she started stripping under I don't the name that. Original I Cindy. I don't believe that. No, it's that's a joke. The, yeah, of you course it's a on. joke. Okay, so <laughs> let me ask you this, because you seem to know a lot about Jesus. I've written three books. About Jesus. Well, two about but, Jesus. But not, and then, as a, uh, but not as a Christian. Well, I've written books on Muhammad, Jesus, but Buddha. You are, but you're not a Christian. All the prophets of the Old Testament and all the you know luminaries in spirituality through the ages. Answer the question, Counselor. You're not a Christian, though. I don't think Jesus was a Christian. He wasn't. He was a Jew. We know That's that. That's right. Okay. So what, but what why are you avoiding the question? Why are, I'm not. I Yes I'm, or no, sir. Are I you, don't belong to any religious institution. That would have dogma. Me? Or, or, you know, I think what you call uh, right. religious morality is just jealousy with a halo. It's the domain of cunning hypocrites. But there is a certain kind of morality that comes from authentic experience of transcendence. And there's an emergence of platonic values like truth, goodness, beauty, harmony, yes. love, compassion, joy, empathy, equanimity, and the loss of the fear of death. Well, you know, that, is, that is the essential spiritual experience. Platonic I, values, now that transcendence, I, now that I will and loss sign, of the fear of death. That's a nice thing. I, I'm going to sign on to that one. Well, the ultimate experience is set up is, that shop. Is, is uh, not fearing death, that's right? It. Because I don't think I'll ever get there. Like I said, I see it as a monster that's chasing me. And I, some people's way to deal with that is to yes to not be afraid of the monster anymore. My way to deal with it is <laughs> keep running. Yeah, but there comes a point when you running. will not be able to run. So I hear. Death is but stalking know, you. But the, you're, you're on right, death you're, row. You're, you're the right. only uncertainty right. is the method of execution and the length of reprieve. You're right. You're, you look behind you. The prince of death is there. Look again. He's closer. So be get on with it. Okay. Accept it. All right. You know, Good. I was seven years old. This is a very These are two important stories I'm telling you. One of Mother Teresa, but the other one is when I was six and a half. My father was in England, and one day I was with my grandfather and my grandmother, seven years of age. My little brother then was four and a half years of age. He later became the dean of education at Harvard Medical School. Really? My younger brother. So one night we get a That's telegram. That's what your younger brother is the dean of Harvard Medical School? He Medi was the dean of education for Harvard Medical School. Wow. Yeah. Until. Do you, do you and your brother agree on all this? Because he seems to be more. He now more, agrees with me. He now agrees with you. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so listen to the story. I will. We get a telegram that my father has been inducted into the Royal College of Physicians, which, by the way, Very, I was recently also. Very all prestigious. These years. So my grandfather, who is an army sergeant from the First World War. Really? Yeah. He climbs up, goes up to the rooftop, fires a gun into the sky to celebrate. <laughs> that was his thing. As one does then in he Western takes Asia. me and my brother um, to see a movie, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Alibaba. And the 40 Thieves. Then he takes us to Carnival. Then he takes us to a restaurant. He's so happy and excited. And in the middle of the night, he dies. And my memory is I am being carried by the servants to a neighbor's house, and I can hear the wailing of women in the house, grandparents, etc., grandmother. Next day, he's taken to cremation. His ashes are brought in a jar about this big. And one of my uncles says, what's a human being? Yesterday, he was with these kids right. celebrating, and now he's a bunch of ashes. Wow. And I had my first existential crisis. Yeah. Okay. And my brother started to lose his skin. And what? my grandparents How do took you lose him. your skin? He started peeling off like a snake skin. What? Yeah, and he had bleeding, scars. And they took him to every doctor. Nobody could diagnose till some local healer said, he's missing his parents, he's feeling vulnerable. 
And as soon as his parents come back, he'll be fine. And so it happened. So in retrospect, that was yeah. mind-body medicine, age, well, age six years. I certainly believe in the mind-body connection. I'm always preaching well, to people. If, if that, you don't, you can't wiggle your toes. Correct. Or do anything. <laughs> well, yes, but, but way further than that, I believe that medicine, the way we practice medicine in America, I'm a, I'm, horrible. A, I'm a major critic. Maybe that's something I think where we're very it's aligned. It's business. Uh, it's not a... It's a business. I mean, not that there aren't good doctors, and thank God that they have a lot of things that they do have that I hope I will never have to avail myself of. But Western medicine is best at like, it, it does nothing to keep you healthy. It's great at the last 11th hour of saving you from dying that day and it doesn't it, prolong life. No. It prolongs misery. Right. It very often does. And they do not take into account what you're talking about, the mind-body connection. And I, I predict in the years to come, the mind-body connection will be seen as a major part of diagnosing somebody instead of just looking at a chart. The way Western medicine does it, if they can't quantify it on a number, on a blood test, now, blood is important. We see what's in your body, but it's not the whole story. And, if, and it's not everything that's on that blood chart. The same as not everything that an athlete does is in the box score. There's a lot of different ways to win a game. <laughs> Wait, that's Bob Costas. He's next. <laughs> no, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think we could agree on that, that, that the mind can, has, and the unconscious, the unconscious, I've, in just the last year or so, I must say, I feel like I'm much more aware of the tricks my unconscious is sometimes playing on me or what's, or the connection between my conscious and unconscious in a way I never was earlier in life. March is National Nutrition Month, and HelloFresh makes it easy to choose delicious, dietitian approved meals. Simply look for the dietitian win tag on their menu choices for meals under 700 calories and with one-third less sodium. With the cost of groceries going up and up and parking lot rage at all-time high, now is the perfect time to get started with HelloFresh. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. HelloFresh has 40 weekly recipes to choose from all meals for all occasions, lifestyles, and preferences. Delicious dinners are easy with HelloFresh's chef-crafted seasonal recipes that come with ingredients already pre-proportioned. So all you have to do is cook and enjoy. No matter your lifestyle or meal preferences, HelloFresh has recipes sure to please everyone at your table. HelloFresh knows you're busy. That's why they take care of the meal planning and prepping, freeing up extra time in your schedule. With pre-portioned ingredients, foolproof recipes, and convenient doorstep delivery, HelloFresh makes it easy to get dinner on the table. The delicious and healthy dishes at HelloFresh save time for my entire staff and makes cooking so easy and fast. I know because I heard the woman who cooks for me, tell the guy who cleans the kitchen. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Random60 and use code Random60 for 60% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Random60 and use code Random60 for 60% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Do you like true crime podcasts? ID has a new original true crime podcast called Why Can't We Talk About Amanda's Mom? In November 1993, a man discovered the body of Renee Bergeron on the side of a service road in Mobile, Alabama. And despite the horrific nature of her murder, the case got little sympathy in the press and the detectives failed to close the case. Now, 30 years later, host Sarah Kayleen is investigating the case by digging up new evidence and interviewing suspects, all in hopes of finally finding answers and closure for Renee's family. Listen to Why Can't We Talk About Amanda's Mom wherever you get your podcasts. See, in 1998, I remember this very clearly. As a physician, I told a patient... I said, Mr. Smith, I was looking at a chart. I'm very sorry to tell you, but you have cancer. As soon as I said that, I saw his body language change. No kidding. His face crumpled. I could bet his blood pressure had gone up. Yeah, I could bad. guess that his platelets were sticky, that right. his body was inflamed, that his adrenaline was high and his cortisol was high. Yeah, well, you just told the dude he's dying. Uh, yeah. Then the next second, I realized I was reading 
the wrong job. Okay. Psych. So I said, I'm really sorry, but this isn't your chart. And immediately he changed. Right. Like this. Okay, but this so is So his biology shifted yes. no, from this to this. Yes. In you're right. With one sentence or hey. one word, cancer. Yes. That's absolutely the nocebo effect. Right. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that before, like 200 years ago, what they only had was the placebo effect, mostly because they didn't Don't know. dismiss it. The placebo, what? it's not something to be dismissed. No, I'm, I'm backing up. There's a biological saying, process. I'm saying 200 years ago, they didn't have antibiotics. They didn't know shit. If they, if the, if the doctor, this crazy person said, okay, I'm going to put these worms up your ass and it's going to help. People actually thought it did. Some they, did. Some did. Well, I'm telling you that it was the main way of curing shit was just having the patient think what but they were doing. You have to ask yourself, what's the biological mechanism, right? If you're a serious scientist, you have to ask, these 30% of people respond to placebos. What's the biological mechanism? So this is what I found out earlier. You know, I've been at this game for a long time now. Yes. So if you give a placebo, which is supposed to be an analgesic, to a patient, and you say this will relieve your pain, but before that you give them something called Narcan, which is a narcotic sure. antagonist, yep. they don't get the relief. Right. So they're actually making opiates right. when they believe okay, so, that they're going to get relief of uh, um, uh, pain. But the placebo acts not just in pain. It acts in other diseases. So there's a biological mechanism that converts an emotion into a molecule. And that's what was my field was. Right. My entire field was neuroendocrinology. That, now, that's so interesting. And, I, and I'm, I'm down. And speaking of conversion, let me, let me ask you this, Master. <laughs> May I? No, you guru? remember 30 years ago, you called me Swami. Swami. <laughs> Swami. <laughs> Is that bad? No, it's okay. These days, it's a, I thought it was, a, thought it was a, term, a Swami. I thought it was a term of uh, honor. Uh, yeah, but you have to have the necessary uniform. You do? Like the Pope, you know, has oh, a uniform. Really? Swamis have uniforms too. All right. Well, I'll just call you Master. So, Master, <laughs> is it too late for me? I mean, I would think that of all the people, you know, I would be the hardest one. Like they can't uh, hypnotize me. Like some people can't be hypnotized. I've wanted to be hypnotized. And just some people just have a mind that I don't know just works differently. So you know, I would like to get over this. You know, fear of death and stuff. Uh, do you think that there is hope? Uh, <laughs> the way you're looking at me. I, I don't like the word hope. Hope implies despair. You have to be in, independent of both hope and despair, uh -oh. and you will lose your fear of death if I'm you find mm, out your shit. true identity. I'm lost already. You have my to, true identity. Yeah, I'm Clark not, Kent. The, what no, no, is no. The, what? I, I, that's my identity. Why is, is everyone looking this, at me like I might be Superman? Bill Maher. Yes is a fictional character in a collective dreamscape. <laughs> Get over it. Get over the idea um, that Bill Maher well, is real. So, you know, if a fictional character uh, in a collective dreamscape dies, it's not a big deal. You have to find out who okay. is pretending to be Bill Maher. Okay, so let's say I sign on to this. Yeah. How does it actually help me to, to think of myself as a fictional character? Because then you say, who's the real character? I don't know, but can we sell the fictional see, one to Pixar? Yeah, you can do anything with the fictional <laughs> one. I, I, Get the I see uh, Erudite Man, okay. I think could Get be, okay, ass. maybe not the biggest uh, Marvel I mean, go Universe back to character. But, the world's a stage where every man must play a part and yeah. mine a sad one. That's what he says in, in The Merchant of Venice, right? And Graciano says, let me play the fool. With mirth and laughter, let all wrinkles come and let my liver rather heat with wine than my heart groan with mortifying groans. Wow, you know you're Shakespeare. But I what does do. that have to do with what we were talking about? I don't get because it. Because you're right now playing the part of Bill Maher. Oh, I see. I'm playing the part. You're God in drag. Okay. Basically. Maybe. <laughs> 
got it in drag. That was something that was a phrase that's, coined no, by no, your friend Timothy Leary's best friend, oh, Richard Alpert. You asked me about that chair. That's why I asked Timothy Leary. Yeah, that's why. He was at a Christmas party of mine in 1992, and he burned a hole in the chair <laughs> accidentally see. with a cigarette. There's and so, some wine stains there, too. No, they, no, no, just a cigarette. No. Okay. And then he signed. We knew the chair was it's, useless. It's, so we signed it. Yeah. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite pieces. It's so really a The club word book. that we are all God in drag was. That's great. That, that's, was phrase, that oh. phrase was used by Timothy Leary's oh. um, uh, well, research associate, Richard Alpert. No, don't give me credit. No, for, for, for giving him credit oh, for that. Oh, sure. I mean, I, I, God and drag. No, it's a great phrase. But I don't know if that really is me. Um, but let's say I'm playing this character, um, which is, I must say, a little bit crushing because my whole life, <laughs> what I've tried to do, and I feel like I've reached a pinnacle of it, what's doing what I'm doing right now on this podcast, is be the opposite of that for a world that was drowning in bullshit. And television, which was also fairly well drowning in, in people who are just phony. I mean, it's just part of the job. But I was like, can you, be, can, you, can you be authentically yourself? And you're telling me, no, we're all phonies. We're all, but some are more authentic I phonies than others. I don't think I'm better at it, yeah. Um, but there may be truth to that. I mean, I would certainly say that everyone lies, even people. Yeah. Do you think you to lie? To themselves. To themselves. Yeah. But have you mastered not doing that? Or are you still doing it? I'm aware of it. You're aware I, of all the lies you tell yourself? I am aware of what I say. You ever say. catch yourself and go? Yeah, I absolutely. You do? Yeah. And then what, you I get mean, mad at yourself? No, <laughs> I just say maybe despair. next time, Hope. put the pause button before you speak. Oh, you say th- things tumble out of your mouth that you regret? Once in a while I say, wow. press the pause button. Watch your reaction to so react. You don't, but if you just watch your reaction to react, it kind of. But you don't see a difference between you at thirty-five. I don't know. I mean, of course, I see. I used oh, to fight and argue and right. go into debates well, and be defensive and attack people. You did? Oh, of course. Yeah, and that's e- what you even get after for going you were- to medical school. <laughs> Okay, but then once you started becoming the person we know as as the the, the master, the guru, <laughs> I never uh, call myself a guru. If you ask me, spell it for me. Spell the word. G u r o g g u r u. Slowly. G u r u. Well, that's a guru. I g u. To be a no. That is. That's just a coincidence, right? But that's clever. Gee, you no, are you. I'll take yeah. the credit. That's kind of that's kind of cool. Who did, who wrote that? Uh, that's Deepak Chopra. You did? Yeah. God bless Deepak. After all these years. Okay, so uh, Scientology. That's my other. I could either go your way. I'm making a decision. No, probably over the weekend. No, I might, I might take all week. I've got, I've got some brochures. I've got your people, and I've got the Scientology. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence now, and this is a hypothetical. Yes, yeah, hypothetically, to come to a week with me on something called the Longevity Retreat, since you're so fearful of death. Really? And, It'll uh, cure me? And uh, How much is it? There are two things <laughs> that'll happen. What? One is you lose your fear of death. <laughs> the second thing is you will you will be a healthier person at the end of it. Really? Yeah. Um, Seriously. Have you been circumcised? <laughs> no, that's for you guys. <laughs> no, it was just, uh, every time I pick up these scissors, I, I feel like I should do a service for the, you're not circumcised? Oh my God. It's so disgusting. I don't know how you Actually, call- I'm on a campaign right now, globally, to help eliminate this cruel custom of fetal uh, female genital mutilation. Oh, well, that is horrible. That is happening. Of course. You know, of course. And so at this moment, I'm well, on make, a global campaign. Against you're going to make that. a lot of the usual suspects very angry with that because that becomes a religious thing. It's a cultural thing which is outmoded. It's not Well, even it's a religious. cultural thing based It's not on, religious. There's no religious Well, you can't separate cultural Islam from religious Islam. All religion, all religion is cultural mythology. 
Yes, but that and, religion is more fundamentalist. In other words, oh yeah, they, I can find you fundamentalists in Hindus. You vegetarians, can find them. Okay, and you can find them, but numbers matter. Numbers matter. You cannot find as many fundamentalists. There are, I think, ten countries. I could be wrong. That's the last time I read it. Who's they have Islamic in the name of the country, like the Islamic Republic of Iran. That's very different. You cannot imagine America as off the track as we've gotten being called the Christian Republic of America, although that is exactly what Marjorie Taylor Greene wants. Yeah, well, that's disgusting. But I can tell you something. I have spent a lot of time in Islamic countries, in the Middle East, in Saudi. I've even been to Iran, Turkey. And I think sometimes we give a very bad rap to the majority of people who are actually very reflective. I recently was in Dubai and went to meet the Minister of AI. And, uh, Minister of what? Artificial Intelligence. Because I've been in Dubai. In Dubai. And so I they go have to a Minister meet of that? They have a minister of AI, they have a minister of tolerance, they have a minister of happiness, and they may have a minister of forgiveness in Dubai. Oh, mister. Okay, so <laughs> I, uh, I listen to this. I go okay. to his office, and <laughs> the reason I'm visiting him, I've created an AI chatbot. You did? I did, to eliminate or actually help people with suicide ideation. So we have a chatbot. I have a I have a, no, a non-profit organization. The robot called, talks you out of a it? The robot talks to you and teenagers Uh-oh. are more comfortable talking right. to the robot because they don't feel judged. Fucking A. Okay. And it Teenage. has intervened in 6,000 suicidal ideations. Really? It's talking to 20 million people simultaneously. Wow. And now we are creating cryptocurrency to pay for it for people who can't afford it even for counseling. So I went to a, to the Minister of AI in Dubai, said, you know, this is a problem everywhere. It's not that depression is everywhere. It's the number one pandemic is not, is not COVID-19. The number one pandemic in the world today is mental illness and depression. And every 40 seconds, somebody is dying from I agree, suicide. I agree. So I go to his office and you know he's wearing the traditional arab dress and his assistant has a hijab and he she leaves and then he clo- the, the door is closed he says uh, we'll talk about what you've come for and i'd come to for his help to create the chatbot in arabic suicide prevention wow and so before we start that conversation he said dr chopra may i ask you a question We'll talk about the AI later. I said, sure. He said, why do we exist? I'm perpetually surprised that we exist. Then he asked me about, he says, uh, I have a place in the desert. Will you come tonight so we can watch the stars and at least be wonderstruck and in bafflement of our existence? If you're not perpetually surprised by your existence, you don't even deserve to exist. Hmm. So this was the conversation. One hour went by, his assistant came. She said, you have five other appointments. He says, cancel them. I'm enjoying this conversation. In the end, he says, so what do you want? I said, I want to create an AI for suicide prevention. He says, done. Like this. I have to tell you, like... Your life is so different than mine. I I have to like just stand back and awe a little bit because my life is really so provincial and I do the same things. I things I, I like, but they're just not like like inventing shit and then going to Dubai and talking to the minister and you know I just don't have this life. And at seventy six, really, you don't look it and to be like like it seems like nothing is slowing you down. So I don't well, know. I, I don't believe, know if your secret I is believe- your, the secret is joy is the only measure of a good life. I know, but what? But it's that's, so I start every day with joyful, energetic body, love and compassion okay, in the heart, like, clear mind, and lightness of being. All right, but <laughs> it's like the things that give me joy are, you know, I, I don't. As long as you're not guilty about them, I'm not guilty at then, all. Then you're all set. Oh, good. 
<laughs> thank God. Oh, I'm going to enjoy this course because I thought I was going to have to like change my whole life. Guilt I, is, is that's, that's the Judeo-Christian yeah. institution. No, I'm not guilty at all. No, no, I have no. They made so I much mean, money. I mean, I mean you know, when I say no. How many institutions make money have, on confession? We all have regrets. I mean, life is, I, I said this a million times, but when people give these interviews and they very often say no regrets. And I think, who the fuck are you? You can't be human. Every day is a regret of something. There's not one day that goes by that I don't think, oh, I wish I'd put the tea kettle on five minutes ago or whatever it is. Like who walks through life? No regrets. And I'm still having regrets. And I, you know, so yeah, I have lots of things that, you know, it's like, but oh, honestly, I, but yeah, you regret about the, the difference something is you, that happened you don't, as in you, a dreamscape. You don't. Um, do you remember what you were doing last it, Thursday okay, at five o'clock in okay, the uh, evening? A, do you even remember what you were concerned about? Yes, I do. And I, really? I remember things that I would have rather have done differently when I was younger that were sometimes schmuckier or selfish or something. Nothing horrible, but like we all just are going through life and especially when we're young, we're scared. And it's like, oh, is this guy going to take my slot or whatever it is? So, you know, you're maybe have sharper elbows than you would like. You're not as accomplished in life. You don't, you don't have all that anxiety off your shoulders about, am I going to be a success or not? And I know you, you're looking at me like, oh, these are all ridiculous concerns. I'm sorry. I'm a human. Okay. I, I, these are my concerns. But most humans have become biological robots triggered by people and circumstance into predictable outcomes. And so there's no self-awareness and there's guilt and there's shame and there's humiliation and there's hostility and so, there's anger and there's war and there's terrorism yes. and there's eco-destruction and there's extinction of species and poison in the food chain. It's <laughs> is an insane society. I know. It's totally insane. Quit. And if you don't agree that it's insane, then no, you're declaring no, your own insanity. No, look, quit trying to cheer me up. <laughs> I take your point. Oh, look, I forgot him to laugh. So, like, what about your, you're, you're married, right? Yes. <laughs> we say, it, yeah, it's like, like it's crazy not to be. No, 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 I'm married, but I also I know, know the secret would, of marriage. I didn't ask, but I'd love to know. Not that I'm going to use it. <laughs> no, you're not getting married. So. <laughs> oh, See, I'm okay with that too? Yeah, you're, oh, you're okay with that. I'm two for two. So right. I think, first of all, get rid of the notion that there is anything such as lifelong romantic uh, infatuation See, now, now this of one, any kind. This is a hill I will die on. Hmm? This is a hill I will die on, arguing with you. Because I think that is... So it could not be more the opposite of how I think. It's and, it's it's nothing like that. Maybe it's nothing An for you. Infatuated, intoxicated experience that you have that you call love is not love. I know, but it sure okay. feels good when you have it. Yeah, well, I, I, I will I will chase that drug until the monster gets me. Yeah, but and, you could chase alcohol uh, till the monster gets you too. Alcohol is not love. How can yeah. you compare them no, like no, that? Anything that you become dependent on limits your freedom. So uh, let me tell you this little story. Um, so what I was going to complete that sentence, the secret of a happy marriage is love each other irrespective and no judgment. Well, you know, what you said was don't expect it to be romantic all the way through, which is exactly what well, happens in marriage. And, and it, I, it I never will ends die like, on that hill of avoiding that. Yes. And I won't go into any more detail than that, but I hear love you. Love is much more than a romantic love is, infatuation. Yes. Love is absolutely. Well, there's something in between infatuation and the kind of love that takes place in a stale, sexless marriage. I'm no, sorry, no, no, that no, slipped no, out of my mouth. It doesn't have to be stale I'm or sexless. Just it's just a joke. It, it's a turn of the phrase. Listen, but here, let me you tell just you. See, you've got this attitude that some things are sacred and some things are profane. Well, some things and are. And some things are carnal and some things are spiritual. I do have when that it's feeling. it's all one thing. Now that, is, now, that certainly is a kind of 
reflection of a basic philosophy that goes back to many right. ancient philosophers of, of oneness, that, uh, that right. we somehow achieve happiness, but life is all about the, the diurnal, and it's all about the dual. Everything is divided, and that's why... you can why, have and dual and uh, non-dual right. at the same time. And that's why we're unhappy, because there's always this tension, like marriage is a perfect example. The tension in all of life with people, and believe me, I've lived with this tension and tried to deal with it in many different ways, is between excitement and security. At first, you have excitement, and it's fantastic. Then after a while, that is not so exciting, but you have security with someone. I mean, trust me, I've gone back and forth on this my the whole life. The security, the search for know, insecurity is, is the biggest cause of insecurity. That's why the, I like that one. The biggest cause of insecurity <laughs> is the search for security. Well... I, I mean, security, you know, security, get this nut out that, of here. <laughs> you know, the, but, the real excitement in life you this. is when you don't <laughs> anticipate, don't regret, don't resist, go with the flow. So listen to this. No resistance to existence. Okay. Never mind. I'll do my go, go, No, Go ahead. <laughs> um, I want to plug your things. Um, oh, because, you first, have to, but thank No, you. I want to, because I know it's all about you know, <laughs> making we're all in a dream. But as long as we're in the dream, I might be making might as well be making money, right? Yeah, you might as well upgrade the dream. Exactly, you can upgrade. I the mean, dream. there's nice dreams, but you know, some people and like there's uh, real baller dreams. Yeah, but some wanna, people like horror movies too. So right, it's, it's all a matter. But nobody of likes poverty, and you. I mean, I bet you you're worth. If you have ninety three books, you must you must be worth. If you it. know how much you're worth, then it's not enough. <laughs> Do, and you don't? I, you don't? I don't care. You don't know how much you're worth? I don't look those. Come people, on. People say I'm worth a lot. Come. <laughs> I'm saying but, it. Uh, well, then that's And you couldn't even put a ballpark number on it? No, because I've watched people look at the stock market and know, their net worth and they totally you know, get confused. Okay. With net worth, confused but, with self-worth. I just wrote a book called Abundance based on oh. a lyric by Bob Marley who said wow. some people are so poor, all they have is money. <laughs> that is awesome. I never heard that. Some people are so poor, all they have is money. That's genius. Miles Bob Marley. Yeah. Well, Deepak's episode is Saturday, April 1st at the... Oh, no, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday. You're not going to be at the Paramount Theater April 1st in Seattle. If we are, we're fucked because we're going to have to do the act together. That's me, April 1st at the Paramount Theater, Sunday, April 2nd, and the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall in Portland. I love these cities. Uh, and the 22nd of April at the theater at the MGM National Harbor, Washington, D.C. Oh, that's going to be good. Deepak, April 23rd. Oh, no. It's just, it's just me again, April 23rd at, at the uh, our Durham Performing Arts Center. That is me, right? Deepak? Wait. Maybe what? we should exchange roles. But don't you? Become the you're not going. It says Deepak in Durham. You're not going to Durham, are you? I said you become the saint. I'll be the sinner <laughs> for a day. Um, oh, I also wanted to mention, speaking of like religion and there's this podcast my friend barry weiss's free press people put out called the uh witch trials of jk rowling i would recommend it highly i don't usually recommend podcasts but um mm. what happened to her is pretty amazing mm. so uh i won't say any more and spoil it but it's it's one of my favorites and uh years ago on politically incorrect i tried to do a sketch called harry pothead oh really and they wouldn't let us do it. We had a screaming match with the censors at ABC. This was 1997. And just a sketch called Harry Pothead was too touchy for them. That's where, that's where they were with marijuana in 1997. So the idea that, you know, we don't change, that the country doesn't change, that there's no progress is so insane to me. And that's what I, I feel like so many people, so many of the woke they, want, they so badly want to be warriors, social justice warriors, that when things have progressed so much, they feel like they're cheated out of being there to, like, go ahead, kill that terrible, evil injustice. And it's like a lot of the injustices, not all of them, of course, we still have a lot of work to do. You know, we've slayed some dragons and they, they don't want to admit that. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but where are you on, like, woke shit? You know, everybody's doing the best they can from their level of awareness. 
<laughs> well, that sounds like a back-ended uh, insult, and I sign on to it. Yes, everyone's doing as good as they can with what they know. Even Putin. Yeah. Even Probably. Putin? My, my, get, my think on Putin is, if I was a Freudian analyst, he's probably impotent and he's taking his rage out. Well, at least Freud I, would I, say, I mean, Freud would say he's stuck in the first chakra. I think he's stuck in the KGB. You know, maybe I, maybe I can't like maybe. Think, think on your level, but I think there's something to like being indoctrinated from a young age into a system as yeah. he was with the KGB. Yeah. You know, I've been and to the, the Soviet Union many times. I really? was friendly with uh, Khrushchev in the days when it was still Soviet Union. Khrushchev? Khrushchev. Not, you, so, what, no, not, not Khrushchev. Brezhnev. Khrushchev. No, sorry, who am I saying? Um, he just passed away. Um, Gorbachev. Stalin. Uh, Gorbachev. <laughs> I, was, Gorbachev. I was close to Gorbachev. And I could see I spent that, yeah. time with Gorbachev. And uh, in those days, rumor had it that, you know, when uh, Ted Turner and Jane Fonda were starting CNN. Well, uh, Jane, Ted, did, Jane and Ted did not start CNN together. I loved whatever. But to all due respect. He, he was, did, was but no, they were traveling. Jane did not have anything to do with starting CNN. Okay, but they were traveling together. And rumor was gossip, local gossip was that Putin was their chauffeur every time. And he was actually working for the KGB even then. Oh, my God. Where was this? In the Soviet Union, Gorbachev days. Putin. So Ted Turner was in Moscow to set up CNN CNN And Putin was was spying on them. That was the gossip. Oh, my God. I, that has that has to be true. I love it. Although he was, there, his, so there are photographs it, of uh, apparently of him, but in but, his chauffeur uniform. It could have happened, but he wasn't stationed in Moscow. He was the Berlin. The reason why he rose so fast is he had the plum KGB assignment, which is Berlin. Berlin was always the flashpoint in the Cold War. Okay, the most yeah. important city between East and West. Yeah, I'm just saying these were rumors. I know. <laughs> okay, so. Tell me, well, I, I thought I had things to plug for you. I'm happy to do it. So is there anything you... Uh, you have a new, new book, but... What is it? It's called... You <laughs> Tell me. Living in the Light, Yoga for Show Self-Realization. It Show it to me. Read it to me, Master. No, I don't no. need to read it to you. No. But, I mean, and your books sell all over the world, right? Yeah. They're yeah. in many languages. In over 50 languages, yeah. Wow. Living in the Light. How did, Now, how is it possible that after 92 books, you hadn't used that title yet. It seems like it would have been like third in line, living in the light. It's well, like I wasn't prepared to write about what I wasn't totally experiencing. Well, that's vague. What are you saying? And I'm I, living in the light right now. But haven't you been living in it for a long no, time? No, I've been talking about it. Really? You graduate, you, see, fourth, right. fourth stage of life. That's what sci- is, But that's what Scientology has, yeah. levels. Yeah, well... But, I'm I'm yeah. on Thetan level seven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's well one more, and I'm on the bridge to total freedom. You know, you know this about Scientology. You know what Scientology? I'm not, I don't know them well, but what they do do is, I believe they they access your so-called subconscious mind, and and then they program yeah. you basically. They do a lot of scary things. Yeah. Well, what the, the first thing they do is get a lot of dirt on you. Yeah. I mean, if you ever uh, are tempted to think human beings are bright, just remember these people voluntarily sit down. And sometimes these are movie stars who have a lot to hide. You know, we know who the movie star is, Scientologists. Are. They voluntarily went on camera and said the worst things about them, their own selves and what they've done and who they are. And that's a form of confession. You can right. go, you can go to but your priest have, and do the but same. You're, thing. you're giving them you're <clears throat> giving them the gift of blackmail material on you. Voluntarily. I mean that I had, think, you know, Bill, bottom line is the world is insane. The world is insane. Well, of course, but And we well, are all sleepwalking well, to extinction right now. We all what? Sleepwalking to extinction. Because of the environment, you mean? Climate change. Right. Nuclear weapons, yes. cyber warfare. Yes. Oh, and and what the Equal phones and what the phones are doing to the minds of the kids, yeah, yeah and yeah. lack of education. Oh, yeah, no, we are definitely, yeah, definitely, 
<laughs> the human species was an interesting experiment. It, yes. But it could have, it's failing. Well, I mean, Homo sapiens, which I don't know if folks realize how recent we are, really, Homo sapiens. Only a couple hundred thousand years. 200,000 years. Well, that's a couple but hundred thousand. Yeah. Homo sapiens, but up until 30,000 years ago, there were yeah. eight different kinds of humans. Exactly. We killed them all off. We killed them all. And we're now, and we're, we've killed off most of the animals. Killed Wherever them. we go, the fossil record shows when, whenever, we, when humans came out of Africa and they were started to populate we're the like world. We're like cancer. We're, we're yes. like cancer. We we're metastasize, ever, we gouge, we plunder. Right. Mm. So what is the answer to this, Master? Extinction. No, no, the, <laughs> no, that's what we're, the answer, the to, human the answer to avoiding <laughs> extinction. What is the answer to that? You, you, you're Evolution, not that's living in the light. Yoga for self-realization, honestly. Oh, so the, the answer ans- is your book. <laughs> no, no. Okay, I get My it. My book is just I'm one just iteration kidding. of no. wisdom so, traditions for thousands of years. I mean, I remember my friend Salman Rushdie. Do you know Sal? Yeah, met him once. He's the greatest. Yeah, um, I'm so sorry about what has happened. Yeah, but you can't keep a good man down because he's he's not uh, he's better. But I wonder about he's got a way. Is he is he able to speak and all that? Ah, I'm reading his latest book, by the way. Yes, he's he's he's, he's writing. He's he's not morose. He's uh, you know, it's a uh, this it's, guy wasn't even alive when. The book was written. Well, I mean, you know, it's about religion. We're talking about stuff that... It's not about religion. Well, it is about religion. It's about about fanaticism. Well, that's from a a religion. Why do you you have to deny that religion is a thing and it's a thing in... It's it's germane to... There's religious ideology, there's religious dogma, and there's religious experience. But if I say Salman Rushdie got stabbed by this guy... Uh, Who's just a nut job, he's basically. A, but it, but you cannot deny that religion is in the mix here. That is germane to the discussion. Religion, yes, he's a politics. nut job. We're all somewhat nuts. It's all a dream. But the thing that sent this borderline personality over the edge with a fucking knife in his hand was religion, because he believed a certain set of bad ideas. That's what religion is. Oh, by the way, religion, that's lack of education, cultural ignorance of other cultures this it's very complex it is complex and you're throwing it all into one big soup as if they all have equal weight and are of equal importance no no and, they don't have equal not. weight we have to have some kind of judgment but on the other hand you can't, you will never get rid not, of not, what Ignorance, other no, than but by, we fight it, and we and we have and we win you, battles. You don't. Should no, we, no, we, you we, don't let fight me, darkness. Okay, let me ask you this on a practical level: You don't level. fight darkness; should, you bring in the light. Okay. Well, speaking of not darkness and not bringing in the light, uh, women who have a burqa over their head. How about that for not getting some fucking light in your darkness? Again, if you let actually, me, you know, I grew up. Okay, wait. Just, let me just I ask the question: I grew up in cultural environments where women wear burqa, where yeah. women wear bales, yes. where women had headdresses. Yes. And they are, if you look at some of the cultural nuances with that go with that, it's extraordinary. The veil is supposed to actually hide the beauty of divine feminine. Okay? Whatever. And, it's and barbaric. people write poetry about it. Okay. So my question to you, sir, is you're like, it's all the same. This is to me an evil in the world. They're forced to wear, like, especially the ones you see in Afghanistan, but anything that is like a full head to toe. And I've certainly read accounts from women who have escaped from that, and they talk about it, yeah, and they say, you have, you have no idea how dehumanizing this can be, because you can't hear people, you, can't, you can barely see out, they can't see you. It is a way to rob human being of the most basic humanity. The idea that progressives have a problem with this issue about Islamophobia, as opposed to, look, you either stand with the woman under that thing or you stand with the per- people oppressing her. It's not, a, it's not a giant lift to figure this one out. So my question to you is, that goes on in the world now, a lot. A lot of women are forced to wear stuff like that. And I do mean forced, even if they're brainwashed into thinking they like it, which they don't. Shouldn't, Just we, so fi- you shouldn't know, we fight that? Of course, I am one of the biggest spokespersons okay. for women's rights in Iran at the moment. Okay. At here, the moment, here. on social media, I'm one of the most outspoken people on that issue. 
of women's rights and the whale in Iran, particularly where they're being forced to and with with a lot of cruelty. But if somebody wants to make that choice on their own, it's their choice, right? It's not usually their choice. I, I it's think not some usually of it is ingrained their choice. because it's in the culture. And if you do stuff to children, which is called child abuse like that, yeah. then uh, they might grow up and they, they yeah, know of, no other way. But I, it is a pre- it is the worst kind of ho- most horrible oppression and gender agree. apartheid. We fought apartheid. Why don't we fight this one? And when I, I say that, the usual suspects will say I'm an Islamophobe or I'm hating. On, yeah, no, I'm not, no, I don't I'm go with that. Hating anybody. I don't I, like the word evil. I like the word ignorance. Really? Yeah. Well, they're, but they're ignorance. two. But they're two different things. I mean, no, they no, can, no. they feed it. As I said, that ignorance recycles over and over. It's power mongering, influence peddling, cronyism, corruption, power, money. All of that. And that's goes with religious institutions, but also goes with political institutions. Look at every single politician, in my view, is a gangster. Why? All they're engaged in is power mongering, influence peddling, cronyism, corruption, and money. Every politic. I haven't found mm-hmm. well, maybe that woman what about the, in New Zealand okay. or the Prime Minister so, of Ireland, but, there may be one or two exceptions. But what, okay, but like, just take something like um, universal health care, which, um, you know, we never had and we still don't have, but we got a lot closer in, I think, 2012 it passed. So um, the Affordable Care Act. So like many, many people who couldn't afford health care, who just withered and died because they just, you know, I mean, there are Michael Moore's movie shows somebody operating on his own knee and so forth. Okay, politicians sat in rooms. It was tedious and horrible, and there was a lot of stale coffee and empty pizza boxes, but they hammered out against a bunch of assholes who didn't want to move forward on that at all, and it took years and just painstaking work, but they got it done. And then lots of these poor people were able to sign up for Obamacare and get it and not operate on their own knee. Well, and, I, I and say, yeah, you mentioned, so is, you so, mentioned uh, do Obama. We really, do we really? Do we, no, no, but it could be different. lots of people who just, like, things don't change because we wish them to or because we're philosophical about it. They change for the better, at least materially, which affects how you you know, if you're sick, you can't really be a sound mind. Uh, they change because, like, boring people. It's called evolution. No, it's, nobly sat in boring rooms and got shit done. It's called evolution. Now, the old recycles, but it also evolves, and it takes time. But somebody actually did that shit work. Don't they get some credit? Yeah, they wanted the votes. They what? They wanted the votes from the liberals. They wanted the votes. That's the, the only reason. That's the only reason. No, no. But people have ideological. I thought I, thought uh, I was the cynic. Uh, that's the only reason they the Democrats passed health care. No, no, no. I, listen, I mean, I'm, not, I'm a Democrat. I'm a liberal. But I also know that you know no, that, <clears throat> that there are when you're a politician. <clears throat> yes. I, Power and and influence peddling come first. Sweetheart, I'm very hard on the Democrats. You don't have to convince me about the Democrats being politicians or being full of shit on a lot of stuff. But they also do have more of the compassion gene than the other well, side. Well, let's say they're and a little I think, more evolved. I think that, that there was a part of them that was also, a lot of them anyway, that was quite sincere about let's get okay. some people who I, are I'll suffering. Concede. Okay. I'll concede. <laughs> I concede. Right. I mean, but, you know, essentially, All right. if you're into mystery school, I'm with you, even if you're a Republican. And, you know, I think Republicans do have their mystery school. It's called golf. <laughs> Listen, one, one thing I love about arguing with you is I know that when it's over, you're like the last guy who's going to like hold a grudge, right? Oh, no. mad. I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm where you go in the world. Everybody's always like master and swami. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I just you want you to... Listen, if you have a wife and you have kids, you don't take yourself seriously. I, <laughs> and again, why am I always the asshole with, about marriage? And then everybody's like doing the jokes I should be doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why I don't get That's married. Right. 
I, I want to take well, myself seriously. <laughs> I don't take myself seriously because my kids and my wife will look up like that. I think, you know, I do think there is their eyes. something about being in an, from an ancient culture. You know, your culture is more ancient than mine. And it does, the generations do, you know, accumulate wisdom probably sort of in a, I couldn't explain it in a scientific way, but I, you know, the, the vernacular would be it's in your blood or something. But like there it's is a, just, I feel like there's a wisdom and also this lightness you talk about, like you're giggling. The Maharishi used to always be giggling. Always. Like there's a lot of that in the Indian culture. It's like, you know, and that is a level, I mean, I can't deny that I think I would aspire to. I'm not going to get there and I'm not sure I want to do it your way. But whenever I've been in a state where I was like just giggling, like on mushrooms would be a perfect example. On a water slide always makes me laugh. Like, or just, you know, right after a good orgasm or something, you're just like, and you, you're saying you can get this, it's available in stores, but, <laughs> but it's completely natural, right? Totally natural. You know, I'll tell you a very interesting episode with Maharishi. Uh, he once asked me to translate into English for an audience uh, that didn't understand Sanskrit or Hindi, oh. a speech by a great guru who was speaking in Sanskrit. And the audience was all Western, American, European. Oh. After five minutes of this guy speaking, I lost him. I couldn't understand a word he was saying. So while he was giving his speech, I gave mine. And they gave us a standing ovation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so after this guru disappeared, I apologized to Marishi. I said, you know, I'm sorry. I had to give my speech. I didn't understand a word he's saying. He said, no, his speech was very good. Yours was very good too. I understood his speech. They understood your speech. So what's the fuss about? <laughs> yes. You know. Did you ever see the concert for Bangladesh that George did, Harrison yeah, put on? Did, yeah. And George was a good friend of mine. I'm sure. Boy, you, we traveled in I, India together for I, many years. I'm, again, a life I can't even imagine. I got the same friend. <laughs> I never like go out of my comfort zone, but... When they did the concert of Bangladesh, Ravi Shankar opened. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so they, the Indian musicians are there. This is Madison Square Garden in 1971. New Yorkers, you know, they think they're hip. And uh, the Indian musicians, the tabla and the sitar, they are tuning up. It takes yeah. about five minutes and they it finish. Them forever. And the crowd applauds. <laughs> and Ravi Shankar says, thank you very much. Since you enjoyed the tuning up so much, we hope you'll enjoy our first song. All right. Thank, thank you, you for coming. Thank you, Bill. Thank you very much. What, is, what does that mean? Is that this? Oh, okay. <laughs> but what does that mean when they do it? it is, that means, a, is there a specific? Yeah, it means I, see, I uh, salute the divine in you, which is the divine in me. Okay.